Hello, and welcome to the Tap Market Podcast. I'm your host, Troy Scarborough. I'm an entrepreneur who has started, acquired, and more importantly, is focused on growing companies. In this podcast, you'll hear from entrepreneurs about how they got their start, what their company is about, what has worked for them to get to this point, and how they plan to build their brands. Expect to find actionable tactics that you can use to grow your business and get motivated to get through the grind into a meaningful entrepreneurial outcome that will change your life. I'm thrilled to have you here. Be sure to follow us on YouTube and Instagram at Tap Market, and let me know if you've been listening to the podcast. I love connecting and hearing from you. All right, let's get to it. Hey guys, this is Troy with Tapped Market, where we're talking to entrepreneurs in the grind, working on growing their businesses every day. Today, we've got Eric from the Rebel Tool Company. Eric, really excited to have you. Tell us your story, how you got here, what the Rebel Tool Company is, and where you're going. Absolutely. Yeah, we started uh, Rebel Tool Co., man, a little over a year ago. And the idea actually goes back to 2019. And I don't want to tell too long of a story, but... Back in 2019, we started selling power tools and it was tools down the liquidation supply chain. So it was nothing really brand new or anything. So we were able to sell tools at a discount. We mostly sold online, you know, through eBay, Amazon, our own website, things like that. And we had this little dinky warehouse in the middle of nowhere. But people found out where we were and the floodgates opened and they came for all the deals on tools. And we said, okay, we could either continue to do this strictly online, or we can lean into the retail side of things and open up some retail stores. And I was reluctant for the brick and mortar. I'd always been an online guy. I did a lot of marketing, digital marketing for the prior five years. So I wanted to stay online. I said, okay, the only way that I'm going to, I have two other partners. The only way I'm going to agree to open up some retail stores is if we are able to use those tools, other people's tools, to build our own audience that we can one day launch our brand to. And at the time, I didn't know what the brand was going to be. I just knew I was really into audience building. I looked at Walmart and said, well, what made them successful? They had the audience. Same with Home Depot, same with all these major brands. So I knew that was important. So that's exactly what we did. The past two years, we've been using our retail stores to build our audience. And Rebel Tool Co., which just launched about seven days ago, That's what happened. That's the result. How we got to the products that we decided to launch was actually leveraging our retail stores. And a lot of our customers were contractors. So people that use tools to make money. And we're saying, you know what? We're already serving contractors. What else can we create uh, for private label or our own brand that would help them solve their problems? So we just started talking to our customers, which, you know, go figure just talking to our customers and finding out what their problems were. We actually had a brand. This is our brand here of battery mounts, tool battery mounts. We were actually carrying someone's in our store and I noticed we couldn't keep them in stock. They're just flying out, you know? So we say, well, we'll, we'll go ahead and try and, and make, you know, a few prototypes and just see what people think about them. And we had some 3d printed, some designed. They were 3d printed, brought up to the store And we didn't do much with them. We put them in a box behind the counter on the floor, kind of covered up with some paper. Like they weren't obvious. And before we knew it, we had customers coming in as they were checking out. They're looking like, what's that covered up with all the papers? And we pull them out and they're saying, yeah, they're battery mounts. They're 3D printed. They're not strong. They're just, you know, you could snap them. And people are like, well, how much do you want for them? You know, and we would just charge them cost. But we weren't trying to sell them at all. They were just prototypes. 
But that kind of proved our model said, okay, we need to follow this rabbit hole a little bit further because if the prototypes are selling, then there's obviously a demand for these. So fast forward probably a year and a half. That's how long it's taken to get everything manufactured and packaging done and Amazon listings created. It finally launched about seven days ago. So that's a, a long-winded story, but I hope that kind of explains how Rebel Tool got here. You picked a crazy time to launch a new product manufactured overseas, manufactured in the States. Where is it manufactured? It's manufactured in the UK. It was actually one of our competitors. The brand that we were carrying in our store is our manufacturer. So we didn't have a product. All I was doing was some of the marketing. I was building the audience for Rebel Tool Co. They saw it and said, rather than compete, how about we team up and become partners? So they started manufacturing our tool mounts for us which is really cool to see. That's unique. And I'm going to I'm gonna dig into that probably a little bit more here. But tell me about the store process or maybe even take a step further back. Have you been an entrepreneur for a while now? Did you have other companies that you were starting? Did, were you working in corporate America? How did you get from where you were to opening stores, which turned out to be maybe a good bet that your partners were forcing you down? for building an audience and getting feedback. Where did you get this itch? Absolutely. Well, I think everyone kind of has a a job when they're younger or most people, you know, mine was I I created a lawn business. I started mowing people's lawn in the neighborhood and I was 11 and I'd I'd push the lawnmower up all the hills and and go mow. And then I made enough money to where I could buy a edger, you know, to edge people's driveway. So I started offering that service and then a weed whacker. And the itch came from the first time I bought my own stuff. You know, because you remember being a little kid, you know, you ask your parents for something and they say no. Um, so, well, fine, I'm just going to go make my money and so I can buy whatever I want. At the time, it was baseball cards. So I can buy my own baseball cards. The first time I did that with money I made, it was amazing. After that, I've always been chasing that. Yeah. Because that was such a powerful feeling. Fast forward quite a ways down the road to 2013, I think I started, officially started a business with my still business partner. We were going to garage sales and, and flipping things on eBay. And we were, you know, shopping on in retail stores doing what's called retail arbitrage, where you, you find things on clearance and you send them into Amazon, sell them on Amazon. And we built a team of shoppers all around the country that were doing that with us. And we decided not to do that. And we've done everything. We've done storage unit auctions. We've built cutting boards. We have done so many things. And it was so many misses. But with each miss, you learn something new. It's like a stepping stone to get to where you're really supposed to be. Yep. And I think the retail stores, Extra Mile Tools, was really where we're supposed to be. So I did quit my job in 2016. I was doing pest control at the time and went full-time into the business. And it's been, I mean, like a typical entrepreneurial roller coaster. Really good times and really bad times. But it's like one of those things you, you can't unsee. Yeah, You see how good it is. It ruins real jobs. I know that feeling about building skills over time. I had a job in marketing myself, working on websites and SEO for large tech companies. It wasn't even physical products, goods. It was more in like the IBM business partner space talking about their IBM tools, the hardwares and the softwares of the world, but getting them more online exposure. And that was really where I'd cut my teeth. It's funny you talk about that youth story very similar. Well, it wasn't my own job. I was kind of my own boss. I was 12 and I'd caddy. I'd run two loops a day, double bagging. I'd end up crashing at my friend's house nearby to be able to get back there, getting there at 7 a.m. for first loop, 
staying till 7 p.m. to pick up the range balls so that you would get the first loop the next day. I'd end up walking around with hundreds of dollars in my pocket in eighth grade. Mm -hmm. Like I was the king of Northern Michigan. It was where I was at the time. I was the first kid to get a cell phone in my school because I was just like, you know what? I can afford a cell phone. I was paying like 400 bucks a month at that time for a cell phone, but I had the cash to do it. And I felt really cool. And, you know, you look back, it's kind of stupid, but I was on the move a lot because I was, I'd crash at a friend's house so I could get back to work the next day early. So I'd have to call my mom. I need a cell phone to do so. All those things. It was, it was a hustle. I've been like that forever, as you say. Just the coolest thing. What's the name of the stores and where are the physical stores located? Yeah, they're extra model tools. We didn't think they were going to get that big when we named it. So it was kind of like, uh, what, you know, we go the extra mile. Um, so we, we named it that. And they're in two in Georgia and one in technically South Carolina. It's right outside Charlotte, but Charlotte's right on the line. Okay. Fort Mill, South Carolina, Dawsonville, Georgia, and Noonan, Georgia. Is this the core way that you were engaging the audience to understand the products? People were just coming in. And as you said, other tool mounts were flying off the shelves. And it seemed like low-hanging fruit. But that's the core audience engagement that you had to grow your company. It is. It was talking to the customers that come into the store. And, and you know, I love people. So I, I ended up talking to everybody. And I happen to live in parts of the world where everybody talks to everybody. You know, you stand in line at the grocery store and you leave knowing their entire life story and you love it. So when I lived in Denver and in Phoenix, you do that to people and they look at you like you're, you know, going to murder them or something, <laughs> but I'm very much at home in Dawsonville. So I got to talking to all these contractors and realized, man, they're having a huge problem just getting home in general. You know, they're so busy that they just can't make it to dinner or they can't make it home to tuck their kids in. And having two little girls and, and another baby on the way, like family's always been such a huge deal to me. And I know I'm not the only one. I know it's a huge deal to them too. So what if there's something that we could build that would allow them to make it home in time for those important moments, dinner, tucking the kids in, holidays, birthdays, all that stuff. They shouldn't have to sacrifice their relationship with their family just for work. Work's important. But I feel like relationships with your family are more important. So that's kind of where the, the battery mounts came from is how about we start organizing their tools and helping them organize their work trucks and their work vans? Because in my pest control days, if I hopped out at a job and I needed something, I'm not the most organized person in the world, which is funny because, you know, creating an organizational company. But if I couldn't find something, that was 15 minutes. That was 15 minutes out of my day. And then mentally, I, I had to spend five minutes to get back to where I was. So that's 20 minutes I'm wasting. You know, and that probably happens at least five times a day. So you're telling me instead of getting home at 630, I could get home at 530. Well, that's a big difference. You know, so started thinking about it like that. And so how can we chip away at these chunks of time contractors are wasting throughout their day to hopefully make a two hour difference? Can we do that? Let, we'll find out. But that's kind of where these these mounts came from is the very first product in that way of thinking. I like that. I mean, you're, you can really make a difference in someone's life, saving them time. They're going to be loyal customers, right? They're going to say, oh, this battery mount, which is what you have launched now, this worked for me. Every time you launch something, they're going to be forever fans. So I think that's brilliant. How has this gone? It sounded like it took a while to get from prototype to 
now listed on Amazon for sale as an example. What were the headwinds? It's never easy, right? What were the big headwinds you ran into that you had to overcome? Well, I feel like I, I had it made. You know, I had this this huge audience, tens of thousands of people in this audience that I had built in hopes of launching my, my product to. And is that on through the stores or did you actually extract that into like a real asset, like an email list or anything? Yeah, it's a big email list, messenger list, text message list, Facebook following, you know, all of our social media followings. But the big ones were the email list and text message list. Okay. That we have at all three locations. That was my, my first priority is I don't know what I'm going to do with the audience, but I'm going to start building it. And now this is what we're doing with it. How did you extract that from a physical store to online? Was it like through a loyalty program or something? How did you actually get the information from somebody? So I mentioned five years prior to this, I had spent in just marketing. I built a, a few courses about building audiences online. And I was trained by someone who built this giant company very, very quickly, just building an audience. So I was like, I want to do that. So, so I asked him how he did it. He taught me and it was basically, you know, we would leverage Facebook, leverage paid advertising. Um, it's nothing super fancy or anything, but they would come through Facebook into Messenger. And I don't want to go through it into a whole bunch of techno babble unless people really want to hear about it because I love talking about that. But they would come into Facebook Messenger where we would collect them as a Messenger subscriber, uh, collect their email address, collect their phone number. And we all had different incentives to where it was kind of like a no brainer. Like our inventory would change very, very quickly. It would change on almost a daily basis. So the people who got to our stores first often would get the best selection and the best deals. Part of being on the text message list is, hey, do you want to know when we get brand new shipments in? So we ended up with thousands of people on this text message list for the, our locations that we text whenever we get new stuff in. And then we get an influx of customers. They get the deals and the selections they want and everybody's happy. So that's kind of how we started building those audiences and then running paid ads for coupons here. You want to have 10% in our store and then they become the messenger subscriber. And then once we have that, it's just kind of, you clone them into different types of lists, but it's really the marketer in me that always thinks before I do something online, I have to have a way to measure it and be able to contact somebody again. It's a form of a lead magnet in the sense that you had this value, right? These products that the audience that you're targeting wanted, right? Or this coupon for products then thereafter of the products that these people wanted. They knew they were going to get a good deal if they subscribed to this or they opted into the offer that you were providing to them. And was that offer for you guys typically just looking to break even so that you could have them as a permanent customer or a permanent asset on your email list or messenger list. And then obviously the lifetime value of that customer would be where you'd really make the profits. Was that sort of the goal or what was the the metrics behind it that were important to you? So this is a fantastic question and I, I don't get to answer this question enough. I wish more people thought like this. So that's exactly what it was. And if you ask my business partners, well, if you talk to them, don't tell them because that, this is what I was doing. But it's a very scary, it's counterintuitive, right? I was even willing to lose money on that first transaction because of the lifetime value, like you said. And how I viewed this is I used to do lead generation for dentists. And the way that math breaks out is unbelievable because I would go to all these dentists and I'd say, how much are you willing to pay for a patient? And most of them would say, I don't know, 20 bucks, 50 bucks. And it would just blow my mind 
that they aren't willing to pay more because how the math actually breaks out is, you know, how many teeth cleanings do people generally get in a year? Well, the dentist recommends two teeth cleanings. What's the average dollar amount for a cleaning? Well, 400 bucks. So you're talking $800 per year uh, just for one patient that you only want to pay $20 for. But then you take it further and you say, well, how long does an average patient stay with somebody, with a dentist? Well, that's on average 10 years. You know, so now you're up to $8,000 for 10 years. But on top of that, the average person also refers two of their friends to that same dentist. Like, hey, Troy, who, what dentist do you use? Yeah. So now you double that. So now you're up to $24,000. you are only willing to pay $20 for that person. I took that way of thinking and, and, and figured out our numbers. Our average order value in our stores was $115. And just a, a random number, 50% profit margin. You know, so you're up to almost 60 bucks, you know, $57 or something for profit. So I should be willing to at least spend $57 to acquire a customer to break even. But then I have that customer exactly like you said, over the next three years, five years. Also, that person sees people throughout their day and says, hey, you got to go check out this great store. So not only was it the customer acquisition, but when they came in, we had to absolutely blow them away with an amazing customer experience. So it wasn't hey, Troy, where'd you get that drill? But it was Troy going out and telling everyone where they got that drill. Like, hey, you got to go check this place out. So it was kind of two parts to that. It was the, the customer acquisition, but what do you do once you have that customer? Makes them either a, an active ambassador or a passive ambassador for you. And that's how we grew, was, was that viewpoint of we're going to use lifetime value to spend way more money than anyone else to acquire a customer. So we're going to win. But then we're also going to win because we're going to wow them when they come into the store. We talk sometimes about what's the process to go through to get all that data, right? So you had a store that was creating profit for you directly. So you could jump to, hey, I'm going to launch this product. I have a captive audience that I've already been able to acquire, let's say, at break even or better because of the other things that they're buying. I can launch this product to them. My marketing costs are essentially zero dollars out of the gates to get this thing launched. If there's a brand sort of listening to this podcast, break that down and try to figure out how you can reinvent that sort of wheel for yourselves as a new company that doesn't have the platform. What you may be looking to do then is, can you create an audience similar to the stores in, in Eric's case that you can serve, that you can engage, that can help you decide what products to build they will also be your first purchasers and you may not have to spend much or any dollars to build them. If you create a Facebook group of contractors to sort of rebuild Rebel Tool Company here, if Eric didn't have the stores, could you create a Facebook group of contractors and add value to them on how to improve or be efficient throughout their day? Maybe add some funny stuff in there that, that contractors run into on a daily basis gets them engaged, gets them inviting their friends and other contractors that they know in the community. You build a 500-person Facebook group, doesn't take that long to do. If you're really, truly adding value to that audience, you go to that audience, the audience says, hey, I'm wasting so much time finding my tools, like batteries. And then you come to the conclusion battery mounts is a good product to launch. You develop the product, you go back to that Facebook group of 500 people 
And you're going to get your initial sales through that. This is sort of a completely different flywheel effect that somebody could go through if you if you're not like Eric having the physical stores. Then you get the baseline sales from your existing Facebook group customers, which gives you a little bit of revenue, profits, hopefully, that you can reinvest back into the company, develop product number two to launch to them, to the captive audience, reinvest into advertising. Another thing would be to go after other warm audiences, partnering with other companies in the space, partnering with other influencers that communicate with contractors to have them talk about your products. All of these things are ways that you can recreate this effect if you don't have physical stores, for instance. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And and can I add something to that? Absolutely. Because we play it from both sides. So we have this audience that we already built. And I realize I'm a, a pretty unique in that sense. Not everyone has three retail stores in, in Georgia that they're going to be building this audience from. So I did want to play it from the other direction too. And I said, well, Rebel Tool Co. needs its own audience also. So what I did, I said, well, who's my, my audience? And that's one of the benefits of starting with the person, not the product, is I started with the person, it's contractors. So what are contractors like? Contractors like tools. What am I making battery mounts for? Well, I'm making them for DeWalt in Milwaukee. So what if I, I bought or got a good, you know, whatever drill set from my stores or bought it from Home Depot, it doesn't matter. And I ran a giveaway online and that's exactly what I did. So I had zero audience and I, I ran this giveaway and ended up with 1500 email subscribers. And that's actually who I launched my battery mounts to first. So my first few sales came from that audience. And my next step is, this is where we have such an advantage when we view this as we're solving a problem for a person versus just creating a cool product and hope someone buys it. So I think, what do my contractors want? Well, they want to be home in time for dinner. So I have another buddy in Idaho who strictly works with contractors and it's make twice as much by working half the time. And he teaches people how to do that. It's a big two-day event. It's very intensive. It's awesome. It's like 20 grand. I mean, it's testimonials like crazy. So does he have a lead magnet that I can maybe put together? You know, and that's, that's my next conversation with him is give me something that I can run as an ad. I'll collect the email addresses. You will also get the leads. I'll promote you to this audience, but you, you team up with somebody else who solves a problem in a different way for your person that I foresee going really well too. So there's two other ways for somebody that doesn't have an audience to begin to to just build one. I love that. That guy's going to have a little section in his coaching of contractors about products that can improve your timeliness during the day. And it's about being organized and Rebel Tools is going to be on that. I mean, that warm captive audience, every single one of them is going to be like, oh, you know, these are relatively inexpensive and I can see the value in this guy's telling me to get these to organize my life. I mean, the conversion rate's going to be through the roof. And on top of that, it's going to be like the best testimonials for you too. If he's getting great testimonials himself, you can just imagine that when they buy your stuff, they're going to give you great testimonials because it's, it's just natural you know, through association going to get something similar. Yeah. And we're both building our email list. Yeah. It's a win-win win for everybody. That's co-marketing. That's tapped market. Mm-hmm. That's exactly why we exist. We want more brands like the two of you finding each other, working with each other, leveraging each other's warm audiences, 
to get exposure to really juice the flywheel to get further faster. So I appreciate you laying into that a little more and explaining it for the audience. Oh, it's my favorite topic. I love that you brought it up. You just launched on Amazon. Are you selling on your website? Where can people find you today? People can go to rebeltoolco.com. And that's a landing page where you get to select Milwaukee or DeWalt, just depending on what tool brand you use. And then that will take you to Amazon. So we did want to launch on Amazon first. I'm very familiar with Amazon. That's kind of where we, we cut our teeth. So we're launching there first, but the key will be uh, building our own audience before we send them off to Amazon because they say Amazon's cu- customer after they buy, not ours. <laughs> right. There's a lot of advantages there. You can leverage Amazon for FBA fulfillment to save you the time and energy. They have captive audiences directly as well with the right momentum in reviews and sales and pay-per-click in driving organic traffic, you can capture a lot of audience buyers there. There's Amazon business side too, where you can set up different promotions for business buyers, which you're seeing more and more activity on. But there's also a lot of incentives for off Amazon lists and companies to drive traffic to Amazon right now. Their attribution program for us at Forest and Herald, uh, if we drive somebody to buy our wallet at Amazon, we typically would pay a 15% commission to Amazon for every single sale that we get there, whether they've been a longstanding multiple buyer from us or not. Now, if we capture their email address, which we, we set up a process for a post-purchase review, insert in our boxes for people to come and get a discount or get a giveaway or get something else, get registered for our warranty program, If we capture that email address through that post-purchase process, we can send them back to Amazon and Amazon will discount that 15% fee by 10%. So we only pay 5%, which is still pretty good. And right now we're trying to grow that opportunity there with Amazon because we've been historically mostly on our Shopify store. We're trying to grow that through the attribution program because the organic uplift through driving outside traffic through attribution is giving you sort of this seemingly multiplier effect on your organic traffic as well. And so a lot of brands I'm talking to now since the iOS 14 update have decided to really layer into Amazon because it's been more profitable for them. It's been easier for them at least to grow to a certain level. You know, maybe it's their first million dollars a year or whatever it may be, because it's just easier to focus on one platform instead of trying to manage all the platforms when you don't have a whole lot of resources. Love that. It's a great launch pad. Absolutely. You're going to get a great test market there. And there's a ton of eyeballs going through that platform all the time to help support you. Oh, I use it like a search engine. Yeah. Before you type something I want in Google, I just go, to, I just go straight to Amazon. Absolutely. And you can leverage it as a research tool as well. As a business owner, you can download Helium 10 and start to look at other players in your space. Even if you have a completely unique product, which it seems to be fewer and further between, but something relatively associated to your space, you can understand the volumes with which they're selling, the price points and how they change and all these other aspects. There's definitely a lot of insight in tools that you can use there. 
So where are you going next? What's the next plan? So what I'm looking for now is I do want to, like you said, drive my outside traffic to Amazon and, and increase that Amazon presence. But also I want to find a couple influencers, you know, to, to potentially partner up with to more so drive the brand's growth and kind of come on board with some of this stuff. So increase Amazon presence and also potential partnerships with influencers in the space. So how do you identify those influencers that you would work with? What's the key character trait that you would end up trying to partner with? I think the most important trait an influencer needs to have for me to you know, really care is uh, their ability to care. If they're able to respond to their audience, uh, to the comments and, and making videos for their audience, and they make their content with their person in mind, that's what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for someone who's just looking to build a big audience just to sell a bunch of stuff to them. So I think the the biggest part is, are they making their content to make their audience's lives better? And do they care? If they do, I'm in. I think that piece that you're identifying there is the engaged level of that audience, right? If they're just making content for content's sake, they're not likely going to have a super engaged audience that's going to take the action that you're looking for them to actually take. But if they have that engaged audience, and a lot of times that can be smaller audiences, like we talk about micro and macro influencers, they might have a couple thousand to tens of thousands, not millions, not famous people. It's the people that they're creating content in their niche and they have a small audience, but they take a lot of action when they get asked to do something. And I think that's a huge difference maker. And a lot of times it's a lot cheaper to work with them. You can work with them by giving them free product and giving them an affiliate link because they know that they're going to have decent engagement. And so it's very easy for them to make money off of an affiliate link. Or maybe they have their own monetization strategy through their YouTube channel and they're just looking for more content to create and really just adding value to their customers. And therefore, they don't really need that next carrot from the brands where they're at in their in their sort of content creation journey. So I, I like that. We're doing the same thing at Forest and Herald. We're trying to find people that have meaningful relationships with modern dads, modern men who are interested in taking that sort of style aspect of their life to look good, feel good for confidence more seriously. And there's a lot of influencers that I feel like have small audiences that we're going to be able to partner with as well. That'll be easy. I love, I love Forrest and Harold. I have two year wallets and I love them. They're awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. We're actually looking ourselves to start to launch additional products and pivot our brand in 2023. We're pivoting the brand from wallets to men's accessories. And so we're adding watches and sunglasses and leather catch-alls and men's bracelets, other aspects, because like we were talking about before, what we have to do is we have to really focus on increasing the lifetime value of our customers, increasing the average order value of a first-time buyer. Because a wallet, we're trying to build a quality wallet that'll last a while. And so when we acquire a customer, it may be a couple of years before they need another wallet. And so therefore, we need to have other ways to serve them. So we're creating content that we can just serve them with to add value to their lives as, as modern men. But we're also going to launch these additional products to increase that average order value and that lifetime value to get more sales with and through them to serve them. And I'm assuming the same is true for you guys. When you figure out other ways to organize a contractor's day, that's where you go, right? Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Doesn't matter how, and, and you may not see it yet, but as long as you keep uh, who you're serving in mind and what problem you're trying to solve, it just it becomes very clear. Yep. If you were to ask this audience to do one thing to help support your journey and what you guys are doing, what's the best next step for people? Do you have a, a lead magnet launching for contractors? Do you have a Facebook page? Um, is it going in if they need organization for a DeWalt or a Milwaukee battery set, go buy it on Amazon because it's available there now. What's a good call to action for the team? Yeah, go to rebeltoolco.com. That's easy to remember. And then click on the link, Milwaukee or DeWalt. That would help me a bunch if you, you purchased it from Amazon. But also, when you get it, there's going to be a QR code right here. And it'd be awesome if you scan that and confirmed your purchase, because once you do, I, I donate a dollar to uh, Canine for Warriors uh, for every confirmed purchase every month. Tell us about Canine for Warriors, please. Well, I, I surveyed our audience and, and military is, is something that's I've been really passionate about. Those who serve our country, it's a big deal. And, you know, it can never get as much credit. You know, I have a lot of friends that were in the military and I see what they go through and what their families go through, especially. It's really, really difficult on them, too. So a lot of what I wanted this brand to do is be able to help those families. So some of what we do is we're able to donate to uh, charities like Canine for Warriors, who actually rescue animals out of shelters and provide veterans with these animals. So it's kind of, you know, you're, you're saving two, you know, living things lives in, in the same action. So uh, it's very, very cool. So as much money as we can donate to them, the better. It'd, it'd be awesome. I love that. There always needs to be purpose in, in what we're doing as entrepreneurs, right? That's the fulfilling piece. That's why we work so hard, whether it's for your family or for others. I think that goes a long way. I really like that. We're going to be getting our own Rebel tools, our own battery mounts here. We're going to be doing some content on this as well to show people how awesome these battery mounts are and how much they can organize your life. So everybody can check that out on our YouTube and social channels at Tapped Market as well. And we'll try to get this out to our, our modern dads who similarly probably have organizational problems in addition to contractors. I'll never forget the, the story I'll leave you with. I was rebuilding my own house in Massachusetts here, my first house years ago, I spent every night and weekend doing it. And I bought all of my own tools along the way. And my number one thing was the DeWalt 12 inch double bevel miter saw. Mm -hmm. I loved that thing. It was on my golden goose list of tools and I had gotten it as I was building it. And it was just so exciting. And men love tools. Let's be honest. Like they're so great. Yeah. Eric, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you coming on the tapped market podcast. We're going to have you back here as you launch additional products, but I wish you all the success, man, and growing this business. Thanks for having me, man. It was an honor to be here. It really was. I, I love talking about this stuff and I hope this helps somebody. Hi there. If you found this podcast helpful, I would appreciate it if you took a minute to leave a review. This increases the reach to more entrepreneurs and other people interested in the products, brands, entrepreneurial stories, and their successes. So we can create even more positive small business outcomes. Take a screenshot, tag me in your social stories to friends, this means the world to me to know this podcast has influenced your day and life in a positive way and that we get to be a part of your own journey. With gratitude from me, until next time, go make it a great day.